Okay. Turn your Bibles tonight to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Last week we started a new Bible study series called Drawing Men to Christ. And yes, it's a play on words. Drawing, literally drawing different um, diagrams, different pictures that illustrate what the Bible is saying for some key some key truths about about God's word that people don't know or may not understand. Last week we looked at uh, Hebrews nine twenty seven, um, verse that talks about well, every man's going to die, and then after that it was the judgment. We looked through that verse and a couple other verses in Romans, talking about okay. We are going to be judged by God when we die, and God is going to judge us according to truth. Then we saw in John 17, 17, um, what the truth is. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Uh, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So tonight we're going to be looking at some truth and what the Bible claims to be. And uh, we'll get there, we'll get to these verses here in a little bit. But, as we look at this diagram tonight, it's starting out as, well, when we're born, and once we start to learn and understand, we have this need in our heart to really understand what's life about, uh, or or if you really think about it, it boils down to we're looking for truth and what is truth. And some people in the world might call it searching for the meaning of life and why are we here? I mean, what, what is life all about? Um, what, why, if they believe what uh, people in schools tell them, Okay, why was I? Why did I evolve, and why am I here? What's the? I mean, it comes down to what's the purpose of life, and we're going to look at some of these verses that it's going to explain it. So we're out on life sea, trying to figure out what is truth. We have a lot of questions about death and life, or life after death. Um, is there a God? If there is, what does he want? What is our purpose in life? And why, why are we here? So we go out in the sea of life and we look for answers. And that's where we're going to get into... Um, well, let's read these verses and then we'll get into some of the things that we look for. We're going to be looking at Second uh, Peter 1, verses 16 through 21 in tonight's study. It's a, it's a lengthy portion of Scripture, but it has a lot, of, a lot of truth in it. So let me read that here. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Again, this well, again, this is Apostle Peter. He's writing about the uh, transfiguration, and him, James, and John were there uh, together when this happened. And then he goes into verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this diagram, this picture tonight is, we're going to be looking at these verses and I'm going to illustrate it here with this drawing. So we were talking about, okay, we're on the sea of life. We're looking for truth. We're trying to figure out what is truth, where is truth, and what can I believe? So there, there are three areas that most people look to for, for this truth. Uh, the first one is, well, my own my, my own experience. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had some interesting experiences that uh, I wouldn't want to base my eternity off of. Um, weird dreams, weird things that have happened in my own life, but a lot of people, if you talk to them, they will go off some of their experience. And they might have some great experience, things that have happened to them, but honestly, can we base our eternal destiny upon something that you've experienced or a feeling that you've had? Um, frankly, I, I wouldn't want to base my eternity on something that I've experienced. Um, that's one, one thing that people rely on. Another thing that people rely on are, is experts. Um, and when I was thinking about this, I mean, I was thinking about Charles at close to home. He has believed many so-called experts in his life that have told him that this earth is billions of years old and we've evolved from apes and, I mean, all, all that stuff. Um, there are many experts out there, but and that they teach varying thing, various things that contradict each other. And again, how do you know what's true if they're all con contradicting each other? But honestly, if you look at experts, it boils down really to their own experience. So then we're right back to experience. So do we really want to rely our eternal destiny on experts and their experience. Again, I do not. But then there's also traditions um, that people rely on in their life. Now, some traditions are based off of truth. I mean, I think about the uh, children of Israel. I mean, Tim taught us about um, Israel and how they rely on their their writings, and I'm blanking on the name, the uh, Talmud. Thank you. 
the Talmud, which is based on another writing, which was based on or based on a commentary on scripture, something like that. It, it boils down to traditions. And Katie reminded me of this uh, funny example. I don't know if you've heard it before, but uh, there was this young couple. They had just gotten married, and um, the wife was going to make a ham for dinner. And she cuts off the, both ends of the ham and then puts it in the oven and cooks it and all that. And her husband's like, honey, why did you cut off both ends of the ham? I mean, it's good meat. Why, why did you do that? She's like, well, my mom always did that, so that's why I do it. And he's like, okay, let's call your mom and find out why. So she calls mom. And she's like, mom, why did you always cut off the ends of the ham when you baked it? She's like, well, that's because my mom did that. And they're like, okay, well, why did grandma do it? So then they call grandma. Grandma's like, oh, the reason I cut off both ends of the ham was because I didn't have a big enough baking pan for the ham. Well, that tradition got passed down and like, I mean, yeah, meat's expensive. Don't, don't cut off the ends. So I know that's a funny example, but a lot of people do things based on tradition. Uh, a lot of religions are based on traditions, which... Really, again, if you think about it, traditions come from experts, experts which go off their own experience, which really all three of those boil down to man making decisions and do we really want to rely on man and their experience for our eternal destiny? Well, again, I do not. Now, the Bible claims to be truth, and it's what I believe, and I know all of us here believe that. The Bible claims to have the truth of God's word, and my drawings are not the greatest, but the Bible. The Bible claims to be truth and to have the answers to life. Now, that doesn't necessarily make it true, that it claims to be the truth. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is. But we've looked at these arguments before, but there are many things that um, support the Bible's uh, claim of being the truth. So let's see. I might have messed up my drawing. Oh, well. You just have to imagine here. It's a leaning tower of Pisa. So the Bible claims to have eyewitnesses. And we find this in verse number 16. Uh, verse number 16, which says, For we have not followed cunning devised fables. Now again, this is Peter speaking. Uh, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We have... A lot of our Bible is eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did, miracles that have happened throughout history. They're eyewitnesses and they're written account of things that happened. Now, in a court of law, honestly, one witness may not make things valid, um, but... Um, of course, the Bible talks about when there's two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 
this example here that they give, uh, that the writer Peter gives, is the transfiguration. Well, there was three witnesses. You had John, James, and Peter there. Three witnesses all saying the same thing happened. Uh, that's just one example. Again, the Bible is filled of, uh, with a lot of things. I mean, you have the 500 people who saw Jesus alive after his resurrection. There's many eyewitnesses. So that's one thing that the Bible has. The Bible has many eyewitnesses showing the validity of things that it says. But also, there were miracles. And this is found in verse 17. And it's a little smiley face. Um, verse 17 talks about, For he received from God the, f uh, the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Um, I don't know about you, but I've never heard a booming voice coming from heaven. Uh, that would be a miraculous thing. And Peter, James, and John heard that voice from heaven of God affirming that Jesus is his son and that he had sent him. And, of course, we know um, there are many, many, many miracles that are recorded in God's word. And there's eyewitnesses of them. And we don't have any reports of people in, let's say, Blind Bartimaeus' town saying, no, that wasn't actually him that was healed. Um, th there's nothing like that ever recorded. But there are many miracles. There are many eyewitnesses to those miracles. And the Bible has a lot of those accounts. So... We have eyewitnesses, we have miracles that were validated by other people, but we also have prophecies. We have prophecies. So it's a man looking down a telescope, looking toward the future. This is in verse 19. And when, when we did the apologetics course, we had a whole, we had several lessons on um, prophecies. And um, verse 19 says, we have a more sure word of prophecy. And of course, um, uh, Peter is talking about uh, the scripture here. We're going to get into that in the next two verses. But... There are many prophecies that the Bible gives in the Old and even New Testament of things that have happened exactly how the Bible explains it. I mean, we, we looked at all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his, in his lifetime, and that's just a couple of things that the Bible talks about. Uh, many other uh, prophecies, of course, yeah, we, we looked at Jesus' birth um, and the many prophecies that were fulfilled and how, honestly, you, you can't manipulate that. I mean, as a little baby and you're inside your mother's stomach, you're like, Carly's not going to be able to, man well, she might be able to manipulate me, but um, she, she's not going to be able to choose exactly where she's going to be born. Jesus did that, as so many... Uh, irrefutable facts that the Bible gives um, to those effects 
prophecies that were filled in the minutest detail just in Jesus's life alone. And then, of course, there's, there's many other prophecies that were given that have been fulfilled. So we have prophecies, we have miracles, we have eyewitness accounts, all validating what the Bible has says, what the Bible says. But then the Bible itself actually claims to be the very words of God. And we're going to use the triangle as symbolizing God. And in verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible is an amazing book. Um, these, these exact things that are written down, we went over with Charles last week and uh, Aaron and Wayne. But the Bible is a book that was written over 16 or 1,600 or so years, 40-plus authors that, well, I, I missed this fact. They were separated by three continents. The Bible was written on, uh, in Europe, in Asia, and in Africa, and three separate continents. Um, the, the men who wrote the Bible... Have they have so many varied backgrounds? I mean, you had you had kings, um, you had warriors, you had shepherds, farmers, um, tax collector. So many different backgrounds, different education levels, um, political perspectives, religious backgrounds that God used to write this book. I mean, I'd say even King Nebuchadnezzar wrote at least a chapter of, of our Bible in the book of Daniel. Uh, and he was a heathen king until the Lord um, saved him when he repented. So many different authors. And the Bible is, it just flows. It, and it has a, one singular theme. It's that picture of Jesus Christ, how he's going to sacrifice himself for us and his, his love for us. I mean, that's what the Bible is all about. Um, there's no contradictions in it. And of course, I know people claim that there are, but those contradictions are easily explained and proven away. So we have this foundation of the Bible that has eyewitness accounts, miracles, prophecies that have been fulfilled, and just the way the Bible is constructed. It's it's an amazing book. Uh, there's no other book like it in human history. And as you can sort of try to tell by my drawing here, um, the Bible is our lighthouse to point us the truth. Uh, verse 21, um, or actually verse 19 says, We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. This world is a dark place. We're on the sea of life looking for truth, and the Bible light is shining, saying, Yes, I am truth. Follow what I say. 
read what I say. The Bible claims to be truth. It is truth. And nothing but the truth, as they say in the court of law. The Bible is what it claims to be. It is truth. Now, some people may not accept it as truth, but think about it. Uh, think about these verses. I was going to bring this up earlier. I just forgot about it. Uh, if you turn left in your Bible to Romans chapter 2, I actually looked at one of these verses last week. But um, just to get a little bit of context, I'm going to start in verse number 12. For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law or a law unto themselves. This is the verse I wanted to get to. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. And this is the one verse we looked at last week. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Verse 15 was what I wanted to get to. The law of God is written in man's hearts. And their conscience bears witness. Now, men try to block their conscience, try to block that law that is written in their hearts. But really, deep down inside, we know there's a God. He has laws for us and that we have broken them. I mean, people, I mean, the Bible talks about searing your conscience and that can be done. But it is... The law of God is written in man's hearts. I mean, it's, it's our ally. The Holy Ghost is our ally um, in dealing with people. But we need to point people to truth. The Bible claims to be the truth. It's our light. I mean, if it wasn't for the Bible, none of us would be here. Um, so we need to show people, okay, the Bible claims to be truth. And as these Bible studies build, again, last week we looked at we're all going to die and that we're going to be judged according to truth. This week we're seeing, okay, the Bible claims to be truth and here's why it claims to be truth. Next week we're going to look into how man has sinned. We're going to look at for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. These Bible studies, these diagrams are building one upon another. Again, just trying to draw men to Christ.